It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Las Vegas, welcome to the Super Bowl edition. I mean, we can start talking Super Bowl here. Heatwave Sports, I'm Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. I'm going to be joined by Tim Oglesby in a little while, but we have Chris Wynn from the three-man booth once again tonight. He's going to jump on board. What an absolutely awesome football day. Let's just be honest. Look, let's take a breath here and kind of appreciate what we've seen over the last couple weeks, right? We've seen... Three-point games, three-point games, down-to-the-wire games, field goal games. We thought last weekend it just couldn't get any better. We had two real close, real good overtime game again. The football gods have absolutely blessed with everything that, that we've gone through, right, with the COVID nonsense and all that. The football gods have blessed us. That's what they've done. They've blessed us with really, really good games. I don't think we could ever remember. Did I lose Tommy? Had such six good games in a row like this. Six good games that were all nail biters, all decided by mere mere points. Field goal games at the end, overtime games. I go back to the '90s, and I know I'm going all the way back, but in the '90s, I mean, these were the good rounds, and then the Super Bowls were blowouts. But we still never had this kind of just consistently great games. Whoever's in charge of the NFL right now is smiling ear to ear. And I'm not talking about Goodell. I'm talking about the people that are reaping the benefits of all of this money coming in because people go, man, I'm watching every second. The advertisers are loving it. And they have what they wanted forever. Parity. Parity is here. I have to tell you, I I am so impressed with the NFL product. But at the end of the day, look, we have our Super Bowl team set. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to face the Los Angeles Rams. And if you would have uttered those words, not preseason, if you would have uttered those words about a month ago. Heck, if you would have uttered those words before the uh, playoffs began, I think people would have thought you were absolutely crazy. So we're going to break down both of those games. We'll give our first initial reactions to the Super Bowl. We're not going to dive into our Super Bowl picks, but our first initial reaction to the Super Bowl. Our number two, we do have to talk a little Hall of Fame conversation. We want you guys to be a part of it. You know, you can even jump into the UNLV talk. The Raiders may have a new head coach even 24 hours later after we talked about that. Uh, the Miami Dolphins may have a new head coach. So lots on the table to talk about. It's 876-1340, Hit us up on Twitter uh, as well. Chris, what's going on, my man? I, I, I hope that you're in line step with me that you just can't remember a better playoff than this. Tommy, talk about some games that did not disappoint, my friend. We got matchups last week in the divisional round. And then the two games this week, just unreal, down-to-the-wire action. And, of course, now you've got uh, two teams that, uh, you know, one team in the Cincinnati Bengals, who it's been forever since they've been in the Super Bowl, right? And they got a young quarterback, some young pieces on offense, and uh, a young head coach, Zach Taylor, that's going to the big game. And then, of course, you've got the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you know, again, another young coach, Sean McVay. 
obviously a quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who has been wallowing in Detroit for almost almost 10, 10 years. And he comes to Los Angeles, has won three playoff games in his first season in L.A., and now be playing in a Super Bowl in his in, in his home stadium for a chance to get the Rams another Super Bowl ring. It really, really it was extraordinary to watch, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun talking about these games moving forward. Yeah, and how we look at the Super Bowl so differently, Chris. You know, I mean, for years and years, fifty plus Super Bowls, there was never a team that hosted it at home. Now we got back to back years, <laughs> right? Back to back years. And here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to be an advantage for the Rams because the San Francisco Niners sold out more tickets today. I think Cincinnati is going to absolutely go crazy. And when you do a destination like California, um, you, you, especially L.A., you're going to attract people that are on the fence. You know what? I, you know, I'm going to spend that money. Let me, go, let, let me spend that extra couple bucks. And uh, I know that most people are corporate. And, and, you know, it's hard to get Super Bowl tickets anyway. But I think Cincinnati is going to have a very, very, very good crowd. Very good showing there. But look, this is uh, this is what we have. It's the era of Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, you're a WWE fan. You always hear when somebody takes over, it's the era of, right? Uh, it's the era of Joe Burrow. We thought it was going to be a decade of dominance for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And it hasn't been. And we keep waiting for Josh Allen to kind of take the next step. And he was, he was ever so close. And then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow comes out. Before we get into the games today, Chris, um, just simply astounding to me how good the quarterback play, specifically in the AFC, is going to be for the next decade or two. When you look at the makeup of the AFC and you look at the three big dogs, and the three big dogs now are Mahomes, are Burrow, and obviously Josh Allen. We didn't mention Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP just a couple of years ago. I mean, we're leaving him out. We didn't mention the rookies, the guys like uh, Trevor Lawrence that could come into this, Wilson who could come into this. There's a very good possibility that Aaron Rodgers will be joining the AFC. You look around the league and you just have to be in absolute amazement at what the AFC very well could become, what the AFC certainly is. And I look at this and I go, man, I know we had some greats. I know we had some battles. I know that. I think we might be entering the greatest quarterback situation that we've ever seen in the NFL. I think you nailed it on the head. There's no doubt in my mind. And, uh, yeah, Justin Herbert is a kid right there in Los Angeles with the Chargers, another one of those pieces that is going to be fun to watch. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, it's one of the more fascinating times in the NFL, right, because not just the young guys, but the older guys that are still hanging on, obviously Tom Brady, Looks like he's on his way out, but you still have the Aaron Rodgers, right? You still have guys like that who are, are still in the mix. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you might even want to put in that mix, right? I mean, Garoppolo, uh, you know, depending on where it is he ends up next year, is is no slouch either. So uh, no question about it that when it comes to the quarterback position, particularly with Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, I think that's going to be really fascinating to kind of watch the kind of uh, round-robin action, Tommy, that we're going to get in the AFC playoffs uh, for the next, what, five, ten years in the NFL is going to be so fun to watch. And uh, that was even more on display today with Joe Burrow 
and uh, and, uh, and and to and to an extent, Pat Mahomes as well too. Even though they did end up in the loss, I mean, kind of kind of extraordinary, right? That uh, we're talking about a Kansas City Chiefs team that now has basically come up short, right? Two seasons in a row here. Uh, Going to be interesting to say the least to see how they handle that situation, but couldn't be uh, more excited for. Uh, Bengals fans out there to have your team in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1988, Tommy. Think about that. I mean, that's just that, that's just crazy. And uh, I gotta say, Tommy, it gives it gives hope to guys like us, you being a Chicago Bears fan, and myself being a Detroit Lions fan, to see the Bengals. You know, it was just a short period of time ago, my friend. They were two and fourteen. This is a Bengals team that was atrocious. Okay. And now, right now, they're on the doorstop of uh, doorstep of possibly winning their first Super Bowl title in history and uh, beating the Buffalo Bills to the punch of uh, you know teams that've been to multiple Super Bowls but haven't had a chance to get the victory. So, it's going to be a lot of fun to see these quarterbacks here down the you know in the, in the next few years and and see how they jockey themselves throughout the AFC, both in the regular season, of course, on the playoff stage as well too. You know, Chris, we we do sports talk radio for a living, right? We we understand what moves the needle is negativity. So we're going to start there, <laughs> okay? We're going to start with negative because we're going to have two weeks to heap praise on Joe Burrow, and we'll do that in a little while. Uh, but let's look at it. You said Patrick Mahomes, and I went to Twitter. I went to Tom Barton Sports, and I said it. Look, Patrick Mahomes is the reason they lost today. Uh, let, let's make no mistake about that. You can look at the other factors, okay? You can look at well, you know, they didn't defend late, and, uh, you know, they didn't tackle really well at the end, and a couple of their guys did drop balls. Yeah, all of that is certainly true. But we have to be consistent here. I'm somebody that has called Aaron Rodgers a choke artist for the better part of a decade. Why? Because he chokes when it matters most. Now, Patrick Mahomes certainly doesn't choke, and he certainly doesn't have that track record. But I think we need to start looking at Patrick Mahomes specifically for this game and say, look, the truth is, this is the Patrick Mahomes problem today. Patrick Mahomes looked scared. Me and Tim were texting during the game. Did he look scared out there? You know, my, my co-host in the morning, so Rashad Jennings, it, it, I, I wrote Tim, I said, is it me? Or does Patrick Mahomes just not look like himself out there, right? We were going back and forth. and So it's not me. It's ex-players. It's, it's just regular you know, analysts. and Everybody seems to have seen the exact same thing, that Patrick Mahomes, while he wasn't getting blasted it's not like he was getting hit hard he didn't have the touch he was missing guys he wasn't Patrick Mahomes in the second half of that game he just wasn't and the thing is is that you can say okay so he had a bad half yeah he did have a bad half and I I'm not taking it away that Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest of all time but I also saw this in the Super Bowl right I watched Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl I watched him not look too good and kind of have you know the touch thrown off and Patrick Mahomes thinks sometimes that he's Patrick Mahomes. Right? It's a funny thing to say, but he does running around and scrambling and trying the underhanded passes and these things. This is a problem that early on in the season, I spoke to Joe Valerio early on this year, uh, ex offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I asked him, I said, what, you know, what's going on with Mahomes? He basically reiterated that. He said, look, you know, he's somebody that relies so much on his athleticism, he's always looking to make the big play instead of taking the check down. Then late in the season, I spoke to Joe again, and he pointed out certain instances. Hey, look, he's taking the check down. He didn't do that today. 
He was still looking big. He was still trying to make that play. He was still doing twirls in the pocket, and ballerina moves, and, and running all over the place. Patrick Mahomes has become someone that me and you were very used to seeing. Remember John Elway used to do that. And John Elway's one of the greatest of all time. But John Elway would get himself into trouble kind of trying to create and trying to always go for the big bomb, always trying to move it downfield. John Elway somebody, and I was trying to think of a comparison, that makes a lot of sense. His talent is so big and so good and so massive. Sometimes he relies upon that instead of taking the simple stuff. This loss is on Patrick Mahomes' shoulders. Now, Chiefs fans, you can still applaud him as being the best quarterback and all the, all the praise that you want. But the reality is, is that we've now seen it a few times in the playoffs. We watched it in the Super Bowl, and we watched it today, where if Patrick Mahomes isn't perfect, the Chiefs don't win. And that is starting to become a serious issue, that if Patrick Mahomes isn't absolutely di- dynamic, the Chiefs don't win. And Patrick Mahomes was, you know, he was fine today, but fine doesn't get it done. That's a concern for the Chiefs. Tommy, considering all these pieces that the Kansas City Chiefs had, there's no question that uh, you're right when you make the statement that Pat Mahomes was a major reason why they lost this football game. I mean, just look at it. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Look, go back to that play that was mon- that ended up being monumental at the end of the first half. The Kansas City Chiefs are going in for a touchdown. The whole first half, Kansas City looked pretty good. I mean, it, it looked like the Chiefs could absolutely – end up boat racing the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. And then you have the miscue at the end of the half where, you know, you, you dump the ball off to Tyreek Hill. He's not able to get into the end zone there. So not only do you not get a touchdown, but you don't get any points there going into halftime. And then you have the same kind of weird, strange scenario, right, Tommy, where you've got the Kansas City Chiefs with the exact same lead that they had just a matter of weeks ago in that matchup with Cincinnati in the regular season. And it was mentioned on the telecast, and, I don't, and and I'm sure everybody at the time didn't really think much of it. They thought, you know what, you know, Kansas City kind of screwed the pooch there on that, you know, at the end of the half there. But they're going to be okay. They're probably going to go right back to the drawing board that they've, uh, you know, that they that and right back to the plan they were that they were rolling with in the first half, and they'll probably put up 40 some points this game and win the football game. Wasn't the case, right, Tommy? Was not the case at all. You had a case of essentially deja vu where the Cincinnati Bengals were down double digits and ended up coming back. And Joe Burrow and company were, found a way to get some points, found a way to get some defensive stops. And it was like a tale of two halves. And Kansas City was just not the same team in the second half from an offensive standpoint particularly. And then you had uh, a couple of miscues in the second half. I, I don't know if necessarily if, uh, especially the, that last interception was necessarily Patrick Mahomes' fault, uh, or the, excuse me, the second to last interception, the one that was that was kind of tipped basically at the goal line that uh, ended up in the hands of a, a Bengal defender. But that being said, yes, there's no question about it, Tommy. This a lot of this goes on Pat Mahomes. You had Andy Reid give him that play there at the end of the half. And it cost him. And it came back to bite him in the backside. And now the Chiefs are going home. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't give up, you know, golden opportunities like that in the playoffs. Likes of a, of a, what's considered a weaker football team. That's not going to get it done. 
And it ended up, again, like I just said, it ended up costing the Kansas City Chiefs seven points or three points there, which would have been uh, would have been monstrous. And then, Tommy, to top this off, it goes to overtime, and what happens? The Chiefs get the, they get the coin toss. They get the coin toss, and, the, and, you know, everybody in the stadium and probably a lot of people out there watching the game on TV were thinking, okay, probably going to have the same situation that happened last week right, where the Chiefs are going to roll down and score a touchdown on the first series. Obviously, that didn't happen. The Bengals were able to hold them, and, uh, and Cincinnati was able to win the football game in overtime. It was, it was extraordinary. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of head scratching going on in Kansas City, Tommy. Make no mistake about that. But uh, I'm not going to get crazy. I'm not going to sit here and say that Kansas City and the powers that be with the Chiefs are going to be looking on to move on to, or any or – any, kind of nonsense like that regarding Pat Mahomes, but you are absolutely right. You can lay a whole boatload of the blame in this loss on Pat Mahomes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and maybe some play calling as well, which we never ever rip apart Andy Reid, but um, Tim brought this up late in the game and especially in overtime, Travis Kelsey was not even looked at. You know, they didn't any targets to him late. And if you remember late in the game, to get them down there, they went to Kelsey three of the first, three or four plays. He was wide open. He was he was perfectly fine. Then they just forgot about him and didn't give him any targets. Now, I blame that on a little bit of play calling, but I also blame that on Patrick Mahomes not looking downfield. I wonder, though, and call me out on this, Chris, because maybe we are, and it's so fitting that we're talking about this on a day where Tom Brady almost retired, right? Maybe we're so spoiled of watching Tom Brady consistently elevate his play and consistently be just dominant in the playoffs that when I see somebody like Patrick Mahomes and I see the talent and I see everyone saying he's the greatest of all time and he's so great, he can't have a bad half to me. You can't have a bad half at home in uh, the AFC championship game and lose to a Bengals team that was more than a seven-point underdog to you an upstart kind of team. You can't lose that game, and you can't lose that game specifically at home it, when you get the ball first in overtime. It, everybody was healthy. It's not, it wasn't a, a, a weird situation. No, Patrick Mahomes just didn't perform well. Am I just a product of Tom Brady here, Chris, do you think? I mean, do I have to pull myself back? Or is it, you know, look, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes has, has some of that Aaron Rodgers problem right there because Aaron Rodgers loses a lot at home. Well, you know what this is a clear indication of, Tommy, is that there's just one Tom Brady. That's a clear indication, right? Look, yeah. we understand yeah. that there's other great quarterbacks out there. There's a lot of guys out there that are special and fun to watch and will be all-time greats or could be all-time greats and are going to put numbers up, you know, and, and yes, are going to win Super Bowls. But, you know, making a comparison to a Pat Mahomes to a Tom Brady when Pat Mahomes is still young. I mean, Pat Mahomes is still you know, basically scraped, rolling into his prime right now as a quarterback. Uh, it's it's just hilarious, right, if we're comparing it to a guy like Tom Brady, who, you know, over the course of over 20-plus seasons and under the with, with the extraordinary circumstances behind his entire story, right, where, he, you know, he goes to Michigan, he's battling for his job there. He goes to the Patriots, and he's buried, you know, on the, on the depth chart in that quarterback room and then everything, all the craziness with, with you know, Drew Bledsoe happens. And, and, and then Tom Brady, you know, establishes himself 
obviously in those playoff during the regular season back in 2002 and then uh in, or excuse me 2001 and then in the playoff of 2001-2002 he, he, you know he shows uh glimpses of what he's going to about to become there's just not there's no there's not many guys out there like that right and uh when it comes to nfl quarterbacks there's no other guys out there like that so it's uh you know so when i when i hear that it's like it's like oh you mean i mean uh you know I, I, I tend to want to shy away from it. You talked about the play calling too, Tommy. Uh, no question. Uh, Andy Reid, look, Andy Reid's the head coach. I don't know. Uh, I would expect that Eric Bieniemy, right, Tom, to find out how this impacts Eric Bieniemy, right, and his head coaching prospects, uh, this loss here in the AFC Championship game. But uh, we talked about the fault. Uh, the ma- major part of the fault lies on Pat Mahomes. It's also going to fall, you know, the, 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 the amount of fault that doesn't lie on Pat a lot of it's going to going to fall on the coaching staff there with the Kansas City Chiefs, i.e., obviously Andy Reid or Eric Bieniemy, when it came to the offensive play calling in that loss there to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. All right, let's talk about the Bengals. Let's talk about the the new guy, Joe Burrow. I said this morning on my show on the Wanna Bet Show on Sports Card Network, and, and uh, with Tom Barton and now Rashad Jennings, I, I said, you know, Rashad, I think that Joe Burrow is that guy that he's cocky, but it's okay. You know, there's a confidence and there's a cocky. Patrick Mahomes is certainly confident. Joe Burrow's cocky. And I said this morning, I said, maybe you need cocky to go into Arrowhead, right? To go into Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes, stare him in the face, and and beat him. Maybe you need cocky. And that's what Joe Burrow's kind of entire career has been, hasn't it? Maybe you need cocky at LSU to beat Alabama. Maybe you need cocky to win the, uh, you know, the AFC North where you have Lamar Jackson, an upstart Cleveland team that everybody thought was going to be good, and Pittsburgh, who, who just never has a losing season. Maybe you need cocky to go into the next round here, into the Super Bowl, as an underdog. The line came out, it's three and a half to four, depending on where you're shopping. And maybe you need to go into a road game and win a true road game in the Super Bowl. Maybe you need cocky because Joe Burrow, He's got it, man. He's got that cocky factor. I, I think, let me just say this. I think Joe Burrow's cocky factor is fantastic right now. I think people are going to hate him in about five years, maybe about three years, right? Once he starts winning, this cocky thing is going to wear off. But I think maybe that is the X factor here. We talked about it last night, and I made a joke, and I said the big butt, right? The big butt was Joe Burrow. And I think that's the same thing moving forward. His cockiness and his just attitude might be enough to go into a road game and win a Super Bowl. You think, Tommy, you could end up being like uh, Jeff George, where, you know, uh, basically the NFL fans out there hate him, but uh, he'd be Jeff George, though, who's someone who actually had some success and maybe had some notches on his belt when it came to, uh, you know, winning playoff games and and possibly winning a Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is a guy who's going to be a ton of fun to kind of cover and watch and, uh, and observe here as we move forward, as we talked about, of course, with the you know, the groups of AFC quarterbacks. I mean, I think about Joe Burrow. I think a, a lot about a guy like a like a Luka Doncic in the NBA, right? I mean, it's, it's somebody that, uh, you know, we all kind of thought about and we're like, you know, we were intrigued with, you know, when in their younger years, obviously Doncic didn't play college. He was a guy, who, you know, basically came over from Europe, but, uh, and then it just bursted on the scene and was so young and so indifferent. I, I, I don't want to use the word dumb because he's not, because he's nowhere near dumb. But you know, you know what you know what I'm saying though. Young and just doesn't even realize the moment, and just is kind of like 
you know, just going along and going along. That's kind of the way I feel that Joe Burrow kind of approaches things. Um, yet there's no doubt that he probably has a, 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 a tinge of arrogance, you know, slash uh, 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 boast, boastful slash, you know, uh, overconfident streak in, in, his, in, his, in his body. And, and we'll, we'll see how he ends up handling that. But, uh, but make no mistake about it, Tommy, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this kid does there in Cincinnati, especially be given the Cincinnati. And it, I mean, they just don't have a, a recent history of doing anything, right? I mean, they had those years with Carson Palmer where they're kind of in the mix and, you know, going up against the likes of Pittsburgh and, and some others in the playoffs. But this has been a Bengals team and a Bengals fan base that has been just starved for any kind of real success uh, ever since, you know, the guys, guys like Icky Woodsworth and Kenny Anderson. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So it's going to be a, a nice influx of, uh, of, of interest, to say the least, to have a guy like a Joe Burrow there at the helm for the Cincinnati Bengals and kind of mixing it up with all these other teams in Kansas City and Baltimore and maybe Cleveland and Buffalo for years to come here in the AFC. By the way, I don't know if you saw it. Greatest moment of the day was Joe Burrow quickly did the icky shuffle with icky woods uh, when they were presenting the trophies uh, right afterwards. They were trying to get an interview with him. And this is just how Joe Burrow is, right? They're trying to get an interview, a post-game interview with him, and he's talking to everybody, congratulating other people, ignoring the, the, the reporter trying to get the interview. All of a sudden, spots Icky Woods. He does a quick little Icky shuffle, and then the reporter turns around to him and grabs him. And he, Look, you got your priorities straight, right? you got to do the Icky shuffle <laughs> if you win that game. I thought it was one of the coolest moments to, to catch that. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, oh, man, he just did the Icky shuffle, you know? I mean, it was one of those. Just you got to you got to just jump up and applaud Joe Burrow for that. And he is look. I think he's a very likable guy. I think that he's extremely easy to root for. I've rooted for him since his LSU days. I mean, I love it. I love him smoking the cigar. I like him wearing the sunglasses and the big coats. I like everything about Joe Burrow. But I'm telling you, Chris, with a little success, everybody loved Brady. Everybody loved Brady when he was younger and taking on the Rams and those gritty teams. Uh, I, with a little success, I think that that's going to wear out a little bit, right? I liken him a little bit to Dan Marino. I know you said Jeff George. Um, Jeff George was kind of a jerk a little bit, but yes, I, I could see that comparison. I liken him almost to Dan Marino, where Marino knew, look, I'm better than you. You don't have to believe it. I'll go out here and prove it. And that rubbed people the wrong way, or you loved him. And I think that Joe Burrow really can create something completely different in Cincinnati. And he told us. Burrow told us. Listen, this is when, when they won the first playoff game, he said, uh, this is the standard there, right? Like, like th- th- this is the least that you should expect from us. A- and we didn't listen, and uh, here we go. Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl. All right, let's take a quick timeout, Chris. When we get back, we'll touch on the Rams. Niners, finally, McVay finally gets over Shanahan. It was a little close. Sloppy game to me um, overall. But listen, the Rams come out on top. Now they have a home game, and I'm doing air quotes as I say that. Now they have a home game for the Super Bowl. They are a four-point favorite against Joe Burrow. We'll talk about that and more right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby will be joining us in a little while. He's actually on a plane, should be 
should be landing pretty quickly here. I am Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Chris Wynn, go check him out over on Twitter, Christian Wynn, W-I-N-N. Check me out over on Twitter as well, at Tom Barton Sports. Also, you guys can go check me out at YouTube, Tom Barton Sports over there, or you can check out any of my podcasts. I have a couple of podcasts. I have an Ivy League podcast, Believe in Betting podcast, Wagering Week, all of it. You just type in Tom Barton in the search bar. You get any of my podcasts as well as everything that we do at SGN. All right, Chris, look, I'm going to let you have the floor here because you watched, you're a Detroit Lions fan, and you watched the talent of Matthew Stafford year after year after year. You watch Matthew Stafford be surrounded by lesser talent, and everybody had the narrative of just give the guy a chance. Give him a chance with the right offensive coordinator. Give him a chance with the right head coach. Give him a chance with the right offense and watch what he can do. Well, his first year with those things, he's going to the Super Bowl. And it's got to feel good. I don't care if you're a Rams fan or not, Chris. It's got to feel good for you as a Lions fan to watch this. So I want to give you the floor because he's, he's got to be one of your favorites. And you got to think that this is a great moment. Well, Tommy and Pete Wave Sports out there, I'll tell you what, this was uh, obviously back in the summer of 2021. It was the biggest deal that was talked about. It was, you want to talk about, uh, Tommy mentioned about what we talk about in sports talk radio and having it being, uh, you know, banter across the board. It was obviously one of the more talked about moves in the NFL last year with Matthew Stafford going from the Detroit Lions to the LA Rams. Of course, you had Jared Goff going back to Detroit and uh, a bunch of picks also going back to the Lions. But uh, the big part of this story was Matthew Stafford had, you know, basically a, a nine-year career in Detroit where he was able to get to the playoffs three times, was not able to get a win. The Detroit Lions still are a team that has not won a playoff game since 1991. And the feeling was is he's leaving that all behind and he's going to Los Angeles and he's playing in the same city of his best friend that he grew up with, obviously, and Clayton Kershaw with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it was a chance for Stafford to get a restart in his career. And he was going to do it in Los Angeles with the Rams. And you had the likes of Cooper Cup there and Robert Woods and all this talent across the board on offense and a guy in Sean McVay who knew how to utilize all that talent. On the defensive side, you had arguably the best, probably, I don't even argue, probably the best defensive player in football, a defensive line, and you had, you know, a, a spectacular player, Ramsey, back there in the secondary. And so you had a balanced team that was going to be a threat in the NFC. And then things played out in the regular season, right? And it was going along very nicely. The Rams were a team. You know, they ran into some speed bumps at times, but for all intents and purposes, they showed their wares, and they showed that they're one of the best teams in the NFC all year long, battling back and forth with the likes of the 49ers, with the likes of the Arizona Cardinals with the likes of the Packers and others and the Dallas Cowboys uh, throughout the regular season. And they make it into the playoffs. And then they start to win some football games and they get some victories and, you know, get a, get uh, a couple wins in the NFC playoffs and uh, knock off some teams that, you know, that uh, they, we thought it was going to be difficult to knock off. They end up doing it. And then they get to the NFC championship game. And then, obviously, the chatter starts to ramp up about Matthew Stafford. He's going to get a chance to get to a Super Bowl. And the Los Angeles Rams, there's also the story out there as well, too, that the Rams, after the Tampa Bay Bucks 
you know, win the Super Bowl in their own stadium a year ago. Now the Rams have a chance to do the exact same thing. And they become, I, I believe it's the first team ever in history to play both a conference championship game and a Super Bowl back-to-back in their stadium. And so that was, you know, that was all the rage. But a tremendous amount of focus, Tommy, was on Matthew Stafford in this football game. I would say pressure as well, too, on Matthew Stafford in this football game. And uh, they come out and they look all right. And look, we were all analyzing this game up to the start. And there was, there was a lot of people that were very smart that were on San Francisco in this game and thought that, you know, I think it's fair to say that San Francisco is an upstart in this matchup against Los Angeles. And, you know, there's a lot of people giving the 49ers a chance, and rightfully so, in this game. And uh, you got the back and forth in this football game. You had, you know, it wasn't exactly electrifying offensively as much as I thought it would be, you know, from an offensive standpoint. And, uh, you know, it was essentially gridlock back and forth. The Rams, you know, end up, uh, uh, again, coughing up a lead. And uh, there was a couple mistakes in the game, Tommy, where it looked like it could be textbook Matthew Stafford, i.e., you know, there's out th- he's out there making some spectacular plays at times, and he's stockpiling stats. But there's also, you know, the you know the uh, inopportune interception at times, and that took place in this game as well too. But they grinded it out, Tommy, and they went down to the wire, and Stafford was able to you know hold the fort, and they were able to get this game tied up, and then getting it to a point where it gets late in the football game, and all it takes is a field goal. And that's exactly what happened. And the Los Angeles Rams, even with chances uh, for the Rams to uh, to ice it, much like in that game, much like in that Kansas City Cincinnati game, where it looked like uh, you know the Chiefs had had or the, excuse me, the Bengals had multiple opportunities before they eventually won to actually ice the game. That was kind of the situation also with the Los Angeles Rams. They go down, they get the huge play and uh, the huge interception of. Uh, you know, they get a huge interception, obviously, of Jimmy Garoppolo, and then go down, and, and Matthew Gay kicks the game-winning field goal, and everybody is going nuts that are Rams fans in the stands because I got to tell you, Tommy, again, it was a scenario where, what was it? It was probably, I want, I want to say 60-40, 49er fans in the stands as opposed to Los Angeles Rams fans, but it doesn't matter any, It doesn't matter at all right now because the Rams are moving on to the and uh, they'll be playing in their home stadium. Interesting to see what the crowd will be. But Matthew Stafford, you know, kind of slays the dragon, so to speak, and goes from the Detroit Lions, where he was 0-3 as a quarterback in the playoffs, to the Los Angeles Rams, where he's now 3-0 and and knocking on the door of winning another Super Bowl title for this Rams franchise, the first one, obviously, in, uh, in a number of years. So it's going to be uh, exciting to say the least. And yes, as a Lions fan, uh, I was uh, a little bit indifferent to it at first. I was thinking, you know, well, misery loves company. I'm a Lions fan. And if the Rams find a way to choke this game away, I'm not going to feel too bad for Matt. But on the other hand, once it was all said and done and they had won, I have to admit, I was, I was, I was proud of them. I was happy. I felt much like I felt when uh, guys like J.D. Martinez and Justin Verlander were able to to win rings uh, who were former Detroit athletes, prominent Detroit athletes that moved on to other places. So uh, exciting finish and uh, a textbook finish, basically, right, Tommy, to how this last couple of weeks has gone in the NFL playoffs. 
and the Rams are the victors moving on to the Super Bowl. Let's talk about San Francisco. We spent time on the losers in Kansas City. Let's talk about uh, San Francisco. You know, you cannot hang your head in any way, shape, or form if you are the San Francisco 49ers. You're not supposed to be here. They dealt with injuries. They dealt with problems. Um, But this is a team that's now, look, for all that we look at San Francisco, they've now lost the Super Bowl and an NFC championship in the last handful of years, right? I mean, that's what they've done. They are a team that had to deal with multiple injuries at running back, multiple injuries at receiver, multiple injuries in their defense. I, I mean, they deal with a lot, but the end result is exactly what the end result is. Now, all of a sudden, you have the next guy waiting in the wings, and that's Trey Lance. He's waiting in the wings to take over. But Jimmy Garoppolo, as, as poor as he's played, we can say, Jimmy Garoppolo has gone to a Super Bowl and has gone to an NFC Championship game. I think it's a hard sell to tell the team, okay, we're going to take a step back to take a couple of steps forward in this spot, especially that it was a three-point game, especially that the way that this team could have been there. But then again, you go, if you had Trey Lance and you had that extra little just something that we could have won the Super Bowl and we could have probably gone to the Super Bowl this year with just a little extra something. So it's an interesting scenario to watch a team have this much success and be willing and ready, and we know it's going to happen, to move on from the quarterback who brought them that success. You can say that it was despite Jimmy Garoppolo, sure. You can say all those numbers. I have numbers to to go the other way, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner, and that's what he is. He he leads teams. He wins teams. He wins games. Today, he made a costly mistake. Today, he wasn't at his best. But I don't know if the San Francisco 49ers are – in a better position to take a step back next year. Look, if Trey Lance takes over, he's going to be more talented. But do I think that Trey Lance is playing in the NFC Championship game next year? No, I don't. I think that's a lot for a rookie to ask, and he basically will be a rookie because he didn't get any snaps this year that, that were really meaningful, right? So the San Francisco 49ers are on the doorstep, on the doorstep of another Super Bowl, on the, on the precipice right here of another Super Bowl, and you're going to ask them to take a step back to hopefully take those steps forward. I look at the NFC and I go, it's going to be, <laughs> I know you love to quote me, but it's going to be a dumpster fire. If Rodgers leaves, the North is a complete sham. I mean, anybody think that Minnesota or, or the Bears are ready to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. The East, look, I don't believe in Philly. The Giants of Washington are a mess. Unless you believe in Dallas, the East is completely vacant. The South is completely, I mean, South is a joke. An absolute joke. They don't have a quarterback in there other than Matt Ryan, who doesn't have a defense. So you're talking about the West. It's going to be, and and by the way, Russell Wilson might leave. So it's going to be the the teams in the West and maybe Dallas in the mix. San Francisco has a chance. If they stay exactly the way they are, they have a chance to be back in this spot next year. If they go to Trey Lance, I think they take a step back. I don't think that they're going to be in the same position. So it's a hard sell what they're going to try to do here. But they're going to try to do that. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go to another team. Jimmy Garoppolo will lead that team uh, to some wins and some successes, even though he'll have some bad stat lines. I look at the San Fran team, and I'm not sure what their immediate future is here, Chris. It's one of those weird situations uh, where there is going to be shakeup. There's going to be shakeup at the top. There's going to be shakeup with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you can look at that and you can say, okay, I get the bigger picture, you know. You bring Trey Lance in now, and in two or three years, you might win this game. 
Yeah, but you got a chance right now. I don't know if I've ever seen a weaker conference than what we're looking at entering next year. And San Francisco already got here. They were three points away on a road game to winning this, this you know, and going to the Super Bowl. I don't know how you can install Trey Lance, although I know that they absolutely will do that. Tommy, I can't help myself but think about when I view this San Francisco quarterback situation, thinking about what happened back in 2001 in New England, right? I'm not trying – I'm not – look, for those of you out there and Tommy, I'm not trying to compare the quarterbacks. I'm not comparing Trey Lance to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Drew Bledsoe. But I'm just talking about the situation, right? You had a quarterback that was there that's established that has shown – and make no mistake about it, Jimmy Garoppolo has shown that he can be a, a franchise quarterback, right? And you just mentioned it. They got him to the NFC Championship game, right? So you've got that situation. You had Drew Bledsoe, same situation. You know, was basically uh, was, was cemented there in New England. They'd gone to a Super Bowl. They'd lost, but they'd gone to a Super Bowl. They had turned that franchise around, and Drew Bledsoe was a big part of that. Um, and then, of course, you have a scenario where, you know, obviously uh, different circumstances given that Drew Bledsoe got hurt. But the point being is that there was a conflict, right? There was a, uh, a, a difficult decision that had to be made by Bill Belichick in that situation. And there's kind of a, and right now in San Francisco, it's going to be another difficult decision regarding this. You know, Tom, nobody knew who Tom Brady was back in 2001. Nobody expected a six-round draft pick to go in there and, and, and have that job and to run with it. And, and nobody really yet thinks that Trey Lance is the guy to do that as well, too. And this idea that you're going to bounce out Jimmy Garoppolo after, after he takes your team to the NFC Championship game, I think is, is ridiculous. Just, for, just so you can have Trey Lance take over the reins on this team. And let me tell you something, too, Tommy, all right? I get that maybe this is a reach and maybe I'm going, maybe this is, this is C win kind of getting a little wild and getting out there. I would not be shocked at all if the Niners were in the mix for Aaron Rodgers still. Okay. I don't know at what level. I don't know if it, you know, if, if, if it's going to be a reality, but if you're the Niners, okay. And you still think Trey Lance is a year or two or maybe three away. Why not bring in? A guy like Aaron Rodgers, a guy who's obviously from the Bay Area, is a 49ers, you know, grew up like Tom Brady, a 49ers fan. I'm still not going to say that ship has sailed regarding Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying it's going to happen, but I think it's just interesting to say that, uh, you know, to, to think that automatically, you know, because at, you listen to the game, Tommy, right? You watch the game, uh, both Joe Buck and and – and basically, Troy Aikman, we're, we're talking like it's Jimmy Garoppolo's last football game probably in San Francisco. And look, I understand there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But, yeah, I mean, if that's, you know, if that's the case, I, I think that's you're going to move him because you think Trey Lance already, you know, is, is uh, going to maintain where they are. This is not a team that's in a rebuild whatsoever. You like the pieces they have on defense without question. It's a defense that is, that is excellent. It's one of the best in the league. You love pieces like Ayuk and obviously, you know, Devo Samuel and Mitchell and, and, and make no mistake about a guy like George Kittle, right? So you, you like some pieces that they have there. It is not a rebuild. It is a team that is right there. And I don't know if you want to, uh, you know, 
if you want to shake if you want to shake the apple cart when you're in a situation like that where you're a team that's right there in the mix, whether it be in the NFC West or it be in the NFC playoff picture, period. So uh, again, this is going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch and see exactly what they do here in the offseason. And, uh, you know, John Lynch and the powers of being in San Francisco, what they do with this team moving forward. Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to have the uh, the kind of prediction of the night. How about Jimmy G in Tampa Bay? Following Brady makes a lot of sense. He goes in there in the same sort of offense. He sort of knows it. Uh, he goes in there with, you know, presumably lesser weapons, obviously, than Brady. But he goes in there with a Mike Evans still. It's, it's not far-fetched to think that Jimmy G is going to land on his feet. I do think it is far-fetched that they keep him around, though. I don't think you can. From a player standpoint, I don't think you can keep around a guy that brought you to the Super Bowl, keep around a guy that brought you to the NFC Championship game just last year, and keep him around and, and try to groom Trey Lance. I think that will stunt Trey Lance's growth. As far as the Aaron Rodgers thing goes, look, maybe uh, you know, you, maybe that's the trade. Trey Lance for Aaron Rodgers, straight up. Maybe that's maybe that's the trade, right? I mean, you know, people think that Aaron Rodgers is like some free agent out there. No, he's not. Uh, they're going to have to make you know somebody's going to have to make a move for him. Maybe that's the deal. If they really have given up on Jordan Love, I don't know if the Niners will do that. I don't know if Green Bay will do that. But that, it, it's an interesting take there, Chris. Um, by the way, Fernando Cole. Uh, one of our absolutely loyal listeners, he said, uh, you know, the Rams were too conservative on third and fourth downs. And, you know, absolutely, I saw one of his tweets tonight was just tearing apart the defensive back. Look, you know, Tart came out, Jacari Tart came out and actually apologized. You know, it was on me. I don't think that you can point to one thing. Look, where I do believe that Mahomes was the reason the Chiefs lost. Now, I also believe that Burrow was the reason why they won. I don't point to one person here. I don't point to Garoppolo for the loss for the Niners. I don't point to the defensive backs for the loss for the Niners. To me, it was a complete team effort to lose. Eli Mitchell is a guy that the last time they played, the Niners ran the ball 44 times for 156 yards. Shannon wanted to run the ball all day. His over-under was set at 17 here tonight. Uh, you know, uh, carries. He didn't get close to that. He, uh, I mean, it was... It was a complete team effort where a complete team failing effort, specifically offensively. Eli Mitchell, 11 carries for 20 yards. Uh, so we can blame the defensive backs, Fernando, right? We can blame Jimmy Garoppolo for, you know, throwing that, that interception. We can blame that. I'm looking at Eli Mitchell, 11 carries for 20 yards, and I'm going, how does he not get blamed? What about, you know, everyone loves George Kittle, right? We all love George Kittle. Oh, he's a great football player. He's fantastic. Oh, he's fun. Two catches, 27 yards. I, what was that? How do you go out there and you catch two balls for 27 yards in a championship game if you're one of the top two tight ends in football right now? You don't do that. So I'm not blaming Garoppolo here. I'm not blaming just the defensive back. I think it was a complete team effort. There were Shanahan calls that I could have questioned. Everybody could have been questioned here in certain respects. Um, going all the way back to Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa had, had a great game early on. Uh, both times that he was right on top of Jimmy uh, or right on top of uh, Matthew Stafford, if he would have just swatted that ball away, could have changed the game. I mean, we could do a lot of what ifs, but if you're asking me, you know, did they lose? I don't think San Francisco has a person 
to that lost the game here. And I don't think that the Rams actually have a person that actually won the game. I think it was kind of a team effort on both sides, a team effort that you look at and you go, yeah, there was a lot of problems and there was a lot of good for the Rams. There was a lot of problems for the Rams and they, they kind of just got over it. But if there was one thing I'm pointing to, it's the fact that Shanahan in his other meetings dominated, absolutely dominated time of possession. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They ran it 44 times the last time they met, which was ridiculous. And that's after Shanahan said, I want to run it 40 times. And Eli Mitchell, their starting running back, 11 carries for 20 yards. George Kittle, their all-everything tight end, two catches, 27 yards. Outside of Devo Samuel, they just had no offensive punch. So I'll blame the entire offense. Yeah, Tommy, to that point, uh, you think about the San Francisco offense, right? Both in this game and then obviously in the divisional round, you know, up there in Green Bay. Didn't you get the feel that this was a situation where it looks like if the Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl from an offensive standpoint, they're just going to stumble their way to a Super Bowl because we talked we talked about it, you know, to an end, obviously, last week where they didn't even score an offensive touchdown and they were still able to win that game. And it wasn't like they were going out there in this game, Tommy, and they were scoring a bunch of points against the, the Los Angeles Rams. It was going to be a, a grind, to say the least. For uh, the Niners, when it came to it from an offensive standpoint, so I agree with you. I don't think there's, I don't think you put any uh, any more blame or less on any individual player in this game for San Francisco. Although uh, you brought up Tart, of course, you know Tart would love to have that, you know, just absolute Christmas gift of an interception back that uh, he had there that would have uh, would have certainly changed the, uh, the the scope of this game without doubt, but. Uh, it was, it, I mean, let's be straight up about it, right, Tommy? It was a Niners offense that hasn't exactly been electrifying, to say the least, the last two football games. No, absolutely not. Now, I really did believe, I took the over for Eli Mitchell. I said, look, even if he doesn't have great success, they are going to run him, and they're going to run him, and they're going to run him, and they're going to run him. And that should have been the philosophy, and, and the Rams were able to dominate time of possession, and, and they played uh, the style that the Niners like to play, and, and that's why they're going to the Super Bowl right now. It's going to be interesting to see if they go back to that style, try to control the ball, and keep Joe Burrow off the field for the Super Bowl. We'll break down that more next week, um, or even the week after. We'll we'll look at that, but it's going to be interesting to see. All right, Chris, we're going to take a time out here. When we get back, we'll turn around to a, a little bit of a preview. I just want first reactions. First reactions on the line, first reactions on the total, first reactions on the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to get into that. Plus, a couple of coaching rumors that are out there. I know that you threw one out there on Twitter about Miami. The Raiders' job is seemingly kind of falling into place. We'll touch on that real quick. I know we spent some time on it. And we are going to talk about the Hall of Fame. I know a lot of you guys wrote me, and after you watched my YouTube video at Tom Barton Sports, kind of have a lot of things to say. Look, I, I've blown up a lot of narratives on shows before. This might be the biggest narrative I've ever blown up. That, yeah, look, David Ortiz getting in is a disgrace. Barry Bonds being called close to Babe Ruth or better than Babe Ruth is more of a disgrace. We'll talk about all that and more. Let's take a quick time out of here. Ari, and when we get back, we'll get into it again. It's Tom Barton. It's Chris Wynn. Tim Unglesby will join us. It's Heat Wave Sports. We'll be back right after this. 